Amen. Good morning. I want to um, ask a few questions this morning. Make you think. <clears throat> and, um, you know, we need to be challenged in our Christian walk, don't we? We need to be reassessing all the time. Um, God has given us the Word of God, and um, He wants us to live in accordance with that. And so, from time to time, we need to ask questions, don't we? of ourselves um, and I've got a few questions I'm sure you're a pretty smart audience and you'll be able to answer the questions very well the first question are you rich <clears throat> now I'm um, I'm asking this question in the sense of, of uh, material wealth and um, some of you who have read comics in your younger years, those who didn't read comics mightn't, mightn't recognise this character, but um, some of you would recognise this character. Yes, Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck. Very rich duck. Um, and you may be thinking, well, I'm not rich. Well, you mightn't be a billionaire like um, Elon Musk or Bill Gates or... Twiggy Forrest or Gina Reinhardt. I don't think there's any billionaires here. If, if there are, you can tell me later. You don't, you don't need to advertise it. But we all live in houses, I think, here. We all have running water. We all have furniture. We, I'm pretty sure we'd all have a change of clothes. We'd have washing machines. Some of us would have dishwashers, clean water to drink, cars. You know, 92% of the world would look at your life and think, I would love to have what you've got. I would love to have what you've got. Our text this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and this is Paul writing to Timothy who's looking after the church in Ephesus and he's saying command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us your word to help us to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, your word is, is a lamp to our path. And Father, we thank you. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, open it to us, open up our hearts and our minds to what you're saying and help us to be uh, doers of your word and not just hearers only, we pray. In Jesus' name. My second question is, what are you doing with your life? What truly matters in life? Well, you might say, I've, I have to work five or six days a week. I have to 
look after my family, feed my family, I have to put my children through school. They're all, that's very important. God has designed marriage to be the incubator, if you like, for children who are going to grow up and impact this world. God said to Abraham, he said to fill the earth and multiply. And that's what we're to do. We're to fill it with godly offspring. That was the whole purpose that God was saying to Adam, really. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with godly offspring. And so they're important things that we have to do. And our children are our greatest investment. Isn't that right? Our greatest investment for the future of this, of this earth. And of course, God brings experiences along in our life. You know, we say we have ups and downs in life. We have good and bad experiences. I'm sure we can all testify to those. For me, I sort of look back and think some of my on-edge experiences, probably in my working life, there are times when I think, am I going to have a job next week? There's been a restructure. What's going to go on? You know, we, we often get anxious. Some people would think, well, am I going to have a job? Am I going to be able to get a job next week? That's a thing that many, many people rightly get anxious for. I remember my first trip overseas to a third world country. I'd never prayed so much in my whole life as I did when I was over there. But you see, God is trying to get our attention from all these experiences, isn't he? Yep. And sometimes he has to pull the rug out from under us to get our attention. And all those life experiences are there to point us to God, to open our eyes up to the world around us and what's happening. 50% of people in the world live on less than $5 a day. $5, what can we do with $5? I know, we can buy a cup of coffee. So the next time you buy a cup of coffee, just remember, for half the people in the world, that's their day's wages. Some might say we're fortunate, but I don't think we're fortunate or lucky, are we? Because we're blessed. God has blessed us and we see in verse 17 there, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. How wonderful. How wonderful is that? Psalm 31, 19 says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. What a great verse. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. But why in life so often do I feel as if I'm not blessed? Why at times do I have chronic dissatisfaction? And I'm sure it comes to all of us at some stage. For me, maybe often it's been times of sickness. I'm fairly healthy, I don't get sick often. But when I get sick, I don't like it. 
I don't like spending a day in bed or two days in bed. I grizzle and complain and moan. I'm not happy. Not happy. <laughs> I've said before, you know, in, in, in our work, in our jobs, we can get dissatisfied, we can get cheesed off very quickly. <clears throat> in times of financial stress, inflation is racing at the moment. Financial stress is, is something that many people are feeling. We can get very dissatisfied um, about things like that. To a, to a lesser degree, traffic. We can get to the top of the southern outlet and it takes us half an hour to get into town. Those things make us discontent. But 92% of the world would look at your life and think, why on earth would you be discontent? Why on earth would you? If you earn $25,000 a year, you're in the top 8% of the whole world. Think about that. 8% of the world own a car. Only 8% of the world own a car. I think pretty, pretty well, not everybody, but pretty much the majority here would own a car. Some people might have more than one. Our cars have better homes than 90% of the people in the world. Lots and lots of people would love to live in your garage. Or your carport. Ray Martin, I think we probably all know Ray Martin, a TV presenter. Um, he did a documentary about 12 months ago called The State We're In. He was, it was a documentary on Australia um, after COVID and how all the different states managed the COVID situation. And uh, he said, if you're born in Australia, you've won the lottery. And I think he's right. If you're born in Australia, you've won the lottery. And I think we would agree with that. 800 million people will not eat today, including 300 million children. Why do we get to live this way? Why? Only God knows the answer to that. Aren't we blessed to be born or to live in this country? Amen. Most Western countries, we'd have to say, uh, we're blessed. It's the blessing of God. But here's another question. You keep keeping track of all those questions? This is really the, the nub of it all. What now? Since I'm so blessed, what now? Where to from here? Let's go back to our text. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us 
with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And you know, there's a trap in being rich. And we are warned in these verses. We are warned not to become arrogant. And pride is a constant danger for rich people. It really is. And we shouldn't think that we're smart or clever. You know, we've amassed, we've amassed our wealth and somehow, you know, it's my smartness, it's my cleverness that's brought that about. Whatever God has given us, we're just the vessels because it's God who gives power to make wealth. We'll look at that verse a bit later. We're also warned not to put our hope in riches. Don't think you'll always have it. Money talks, it usually says goodbye. (laughs) Studies have been done on people who have uh, inherited great wealth, whether they've won it on Tats Lotto or the soccer pools or whatever. Usually within five years it's all gone. And you think, how did that that happen? Statistically that seems to be what happens. We have economic upheavals in our world, we all know about that. We hear that on the news every night. We've got rampant inflation. Our wealth is being eroded in many ways and so it's uncertain. And here, the Bible is warning us not to put our hope in riches. You know, we're all looking for joy and happiness, but it's not found in money, it's not found in a whole lot of stuff. It's only found in Jesus Christ, isn't that right? And there is a command, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Being rich, rich in good deeds... It's got the connotation of being extravagant, of being liberal, of being over and above, abounding. When we're in Jesus, this is what we want to do. There's a great parable in, uh, in Matthew 13. That's the, par- that's the chapter of parables, Matthew 13. There's quite a few parables about the kingdom, kingdom of God and what it's like. And there's one there that says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again in the field and went went and in joy, in joy, sold all he had to buy that field. It's not my place to coerce you to give money or uh, to get on and do what you're meant to do. That'll happen when we find this treasure, when we find this buried treasure. That'll happen. We will automatically be more than happy to give liberally, extravagantly, when we've found that treasure. Have you found that treasure buried in that field? We shouldn't be saying... Bless me, Lord, and when I've paid off the house, when I've put the 
children through school. When my pension plan's in place, then I'll give. God says, no, you won't. No, you won't. He wants us to give now out of what little we have. He wants us to be faithful in what little we have now. And if we're faithful in that, he will give us more. He will expand our borders. He will do that. But he's looking for faithfulness. And we are to be generous, to be liberal, to be bountiful. Because we heard that in communion this morning. God has been generous and liberal and bountiful to us, hasn't he? He gave his best. He gave Jesus Christ his best. You know the two great commands in the Bible are what? Can someone tell me? Love the Lord and love our neighbour as ourselves. And one, one way that, that I find helpful when I think of, well, what does it mean to love your neighbour? And that is, I guess, what we've been talking about. I've had a good education. I live, I've got a roof over my head. I have clothes to wear. I have food to eat. I have a job. I've had a job. I have an income. I have a knowledge of God. And I want my neighbour to have that as well. And I think that's part of loving our neighbour, is to recognise, wow, I enjoy all all of these blessings. I want my neighbour to enjoy that as well. We know the story of the Good Samaritan, how the lawyer asked the question, who is my neighbour? But Jesus turned it round and said, well, what kind of neighbour are you? Of course we have to love our neighbour, but what kind of a neighbour are you? Are you one who loves? You know, giving also helps us to or it keeps us from materialism, I believe. You know, if, if, if we're a giver and we give liberally, we give joyfully, we won't get caught up in materialism. We won't get caught up in this consumer society. And so I think that's one way God helps us to counteract um, that imbalance in our life. I've got a good friend in um, Yangon, Myanmar, Chan. We keep in regular contact He's recently started a church over there. A lot of Buddhists are coming to know Jesus Christ, which is great. The country's in turmoil with the military coup there. He tells me that there are many, many people who have been thrown out of work. Thousands have been thrown out of work. Businesses just, they just don't operate anymore. Things don't work. There are thefts, there are robberies, there are gangs. There's lawlessness rife. But amongst a lot of these Buddhists that are coming to the Lord, where for 150 US dollars, we can help them get started in a small business. And so a lot of them are now able to start a small business to earn some money, put food on the table for their families. You know, back in the Old Testament, land was, 
well, it, it was a land-based economy. Everyone had land and it got passed down to you. People would grow, grow their crops and so they would eat from that plus they would have some left over to sell. Today the poor don't have land. And of course back, back in the Old Testament of course you had the, the whole idea of Jubilee where every 50 years everything would be levelled and, and the poor would get their land back. But today of course that doesn't happen. And so one way that we can give some capital to the poor is through interest-free loans or grants or whatever. And so that's one way that people, I guess, can re-establish themselves, get some dignity into their life and um, look after their families. What are you doing with your life? How are you using the resources that God has given you? You know, God is a very wise investor. He gives gifts, gives gifts to men. We all have a gift, at least one gift. And um, looking at the story of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, we see the master giving out gifts, ten talents to one, five to one, and one talent to another. Goes away for some time and comes back and he wants a reckoning, an accounting of these servants and what they've done. We see the ten talent man had been busy and he doubled. The five talent man had doubled. What happened to the one talent man? What happened? He buried it. And what did the master think of that? What happened to that talent? It was given to the ten talent person. So, the moral, part of the moral of that story is use it or lose it. God has given us all at least one gift or talent. And if we don't use it, it's going to get taken away from us plus a whole lot worse according to that, to that parable. I wouldn't like God to call me lazy or wicked. But that's what he called that one talent man who didn't use what God had given him. So we need to use our time, our talents, our energies, our ministries for God's kingdom purposes because there will be an accounting on Judgment Day, there will be an accounting, and we won't better escape that. Three things I want us to consider. Admit that you've been greatly blessed. Well, that shouldn't be too hard, should it? I think we all recognise that we have been greatly blessed. Do we live lives of generosity so that God can bless us more? Have we been faithful in the little that he's given us so that he can um, increase and bless us? Let's not be people who run up debt so that we get so strangled by debt that we can't be givers, we can't give liberally to 
others. I think we've got to admit that we're not really that smart. There are two temptations in the passage. Let not the rich be arrogant and don't put your hope in riches. You know, we have this hidden attitude sometimes, I think, that you get a pay rise, you get a promotion, your investments are returning, you know, they're doing pretty well, and you think, gee, you know, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I've made some good decisions here. You know, we start to think that we're smart, that we're clever. Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18 says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So we're not that smart after all. Now, I'm not downplaying hard work. We have to be hard workers. Um, But God gives the ability to get wealth. And it's important that we realise what's been entrusted to us. You know, I've seen African farmers, and I'm sure Bernie has too, riding bikes to market with produce on the back of the push bike, not a motorbike, a push bike. It's up, up to an hour probably in the early morning, get to the town and along with many, many others, try to sell their produce so as they can get some money to buy things for their family. Now they might be fortunate enough to sell it all. Sometimes the prices might not be good, they might have to take some of it back home. But in the evening they're riding back only to do it all again the next day. They can work and work and work and really still not really get ahead. Struggle to get ahead. I've seen taxi drivers, rickshaw drivers in India who work around the clock just to try and make a living. I was a taxi driver once. (laughs) For three months in my uni vacation. One of the hardest jobs I think I've had. <laughs> had to work about 12 hours a day to make anything decent. 12 hours, it's long, long hours. But the best day was New Year's Eve. I was making so much money I didn't want to stop. <laughs> I started work 7am, New Year's Eve and went right through to 3am New Year's Day, 20 hours. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to do it today. But I was making so much money, I didn't want to stop. After 12 o'clock, the bus is finished. Everyone wanted to get home. Taxis were the only way. We had the, we had the monopoly. I'd drive out, to, take someone out to Claremont, come back. Take someone else out to Claremont, come back, do the same thing. Every hour or so I'd stop and I'd hide some money in the boot because I thought if I get robbed I don't want to lose a lot of it. (laughs) Anyway, I never got robbed. (laughs) But going back to these people in third world countries, just just imagine saying to them, take a week off. Take a week off. 
we'll pay you. Take a week off. We get paid what the average worker gets four weeks a year, a year yep. paid leave. If you're a shift worker, you probably get six or seven. Plus annual leave, uh, long service leave. The Americans laugh at us. Long service leave. Some of you might, um, I'm showing my age, might remember Gough Whitlam when Gough Whitlam got into power as Prime Minister in the 70s. He introduced annual leave loading. And we got paid more to go on leave than what we did sitting in the office. You shake your head and think, the majority of the world know nothing of that, of that sort of thing. How blessed we are, amen? How blessed we are. So you and I are supposed to do good. And God is asking us not just to be good, but I want you to be extravagant in that goodness. He wants us to be as extravagant as what Jesus Christ has been to us. You know, the only thing that is eternal is our relationship with God and the treasure that we've laid up in heaven. That's the only thing that's, that's eternal. And I kind of think that maybe when we get to heaven, someone will come up to us and say, yeah, I want to really thank you for that contribution you made to that organisation. I was able to get food for my family when we were starving. Someone else might walk up and say, I really appreciate you helping my children get an education. Someone else might walk up and say, I really appreciate that grant or that interest-free loan you gave me to help, <coughs> help start my business because that got me established and I was able to look after my family. Someone else might walk up and say, I really appreciate your contribution to training Christian workers in my country. Because one day an evangelist came to my village. We'd never heard the gospel. He shared the gospel and I became a Christian. I want to thank you for that. Someone else might walk up and say, I want to thank you for that encouraging word you gave me. I was nearly ready to toss my faith in. But your word, your encouragement changed that and that's why I'm here. See, laying up treasure in heaven I think is so important Amen. because on that day, you know, it all comes together. <laughs> it all comes together in heaven. And we'll look back on this life and think, oh, if only, if only I'd done more. If only. But of course it'll be too late then. But we have an opportunity now, don't we? It is not too late now. We can make a difference. I'm sure you've all heard of <coughs> Philip Yancey. He's uh, written quite a few books. One book he wrote was called What Good Is God? Oh, I missed a point there. 
I have. Well, I've talked about it. <laughs> you and I are supposed to do good. I'm, I'm sure you got the message. <laughs> Philip Yancey, yes. In this book, he recounts that he was asked to speak at a college in the US where they'd recently had a gun massacre. A student had killed 32 people. Yancey was asked to come and speak and he struggled to know what to say. Two weeks prior to that speaking engagement, Yancey had a car accident and almost took his life. His car rolled a number of times in an isolated road in the middle of winter. He spent seven hours unable to move, trapped in the car, looking up at the sky, wondering if he'd be rescued in time. It was bitterly cold and he was bleeding. Someone eventually found him and after medical care, he managed to gradually improve. So he speaks at the college in a neck brace and he says, as he lay in the car, staring up at the sky, he realised how much of his life focused on trivial things. During those seven hours, I did not think of how many books I'd sold or the car I drove or how much money I had in the bank. All that mattered boiled down to this. What have I done with my life? And am I ready for what is next? What have I done with my life? And am I ready for what is next? And that's what he told the students. Friends, we've been blessed. What are we doing with it all? Let's close our eyes. And I want us to, for a few moments, to thank God for your blessings. So I'll just give you a few moments just to reflect and thank God for your blessings. Now ask God to help you focus on what you have, not what you don't have, just, just do a mental inventory of what you have. Now ask God how you can use your blessings for his purposes in this world. Father, we're grateful and humbled that we've been entrusted with so much. Lord, open our eyes to our responsibility, to our accountability and most importantly, our opportunity to help people who are far from you, to come near to you. Lord, do a work in each one of us. Lord, in our hearts. Lord, in our understanding. 
Lord, in understanding even these two verses that we've been looking at out of your word. Lord, help us to mull them over, to meditate on them, to consider them, Lord, and to do what it says. We thank you again for your blessings, all you've done for us. Thank you that Jesus Christ came. Lord, you gave everything. You gave the best. You were extravagant. Help us to be the same, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bernie.